Dear listeners, welcome. I am Esmael Gillis, host of the Hairdressing Masterminds podcast. We feature inspiring people with extraordinary skills who are creative and visionary and can bring value on every level of our lives. I present you Heidi McGinty, an advisory teacher working across more than 30 schools and supporting head teachers and teachers and is also the co-founder of Great Busters, a study and tutorial center for mathematics and English with an online platform to students from all over the world. With a unique learning system with 10 principles that underpin all mathematics to enable students to progress and achieve success. Dear Hadi, welcome. Woo, hi, Esmail. <laughs> hi, how are you doing? Oh, I am doing awesome. Thank you very much for inviting me to come and join you today. I'm incredibly excited. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So um, I've been looking out for this because um, obviously I've been following you very closely now uh, <laughs> in your work. And uh, that's why I wanted to have a, an, a talk with you because uh, I found it so uh, groundbreaking and, and you're, you have so, such a, uh, a different approach. And that's why I uh, would like to talk with you about it. So, but first of all, could you tell us a bit about yourself? So what do you do and where do you live? Yeah, sure. Of course, Esmael. Yeah, of course. Um, well, actually, um, I live on a tiny island and uh, it's called Jersey. I don't know if many people uh, know where Jersey is, but I'm not talking about New Jersey. Because normally when I say to people I'm from Jersey, they all go, oh, yeah, we know New Jersey. And I'm going, no, no, no. The Jersey I live on is the old Jersey. And it's a small island. It's about five miles by nine miles. And uh, it, we sit in between England and France. And um, I'm married and I have three children. Um, I, I was adopted at birth. Now that's a whole story in itself. That would be another podcast. I have okay. to tell you that story is pretty okay. impressive. Okay. But, um, you can yeah. short it down. Pardon? You can make it short then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll make it short. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, through my through my time, I've uh, I've done things like I've done a degree in three dimensional design and metals. Then I did a postgraduate degree in teaching and. Um, uh, then we, I set up Grade Busters in 2003 and I still continue to do my advisory uh, island role. And uh, I've also done some training across the United Kingdom, training all schools on mathematics. And I was doing that for Oxford University Press. And uh, now currently I also have my advisory role where um, I support schools with students that maybe have challenging behaviours or social emotional um, challenges. So that's what I, I currently do now. Yeah. Whoa, that's a whole lot. So, <laughs> yes. So, um, Hedy, at what was the beginning of your journey? What was the beginning of your journey? Right. Okay. So, um, interesting. I, I mean, I suppose maybe I could take you back to um, how Grade Busters was initially um, created. What was the, the catalyst for that? Well, there were a number of um, 
elements that going in were going on in my life. I was um, an island, a teacher in a school, and uh, there was a gentleman who'd come over from the United Kingdom to do a whole island um, evaluation on mathematics teaching in the island. And at the end of that evaluation, um, I was very privileged to be awarded um, outstanding for my teaching. And um, this gentleman uh, kind of qualified me as most outstanding teaching on the island. And due to that result, I was then awarded uh, accelerated pay and um, all sorts of wonderful wonderful things um, like that. Um, But... um, as time went by, then I uh, was going to have my first child and it became a little bit aware, to, uh, sort of concerned to me. I was thinking, how am I going to juggle all the full-time work and raise a child? So I went to speak to my head teacher and um, he, he said, oh, what we'll do is we'll create a, a part-time post for you. And I was absolutely thrilled by this. And uh, that is actually what I did. I transferred to um, a part-time role. Now, unknown to me during that time, the island was going through a whole restructuring. And uh, what they had decided is people uh, who did not have permanent contracts would either have to lose their job or they would be transferred to a different job. Um, And unknown to me, When I and of course, within schools, the number of schools can only be allocated a certain number of permanent contracts. And when I transferred over to this part time contract, uh, I handed over my permanent contract, which I wasn't really aware what was going on. And interestingly enough, uh, the head teacher, his wife was working in the school I was teaching at and she was a part time worker but she didn't have a permanent contract. So it would have meant that she would have had to have left. But of course, unknown to me, as I gave relinquished my permanent contract, he gave the permanent contract to his wife. And then I was called a few weeks later into the office and I can really remember the head teacher telling me, I'm afraid I was a budgeting error. And I tell you what, you never want to be told that because... Um, you know, you think, gosh, all this hard work and everything that you've put in to suddenly be told you're a budgeting error and that your job is no longer available. I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, impacts on my life. You know, I went through all the myriad of emotions of, you know, feeling angry about it, feeling let down, you know, but as you do, you brush it off and you move on. Now, interestingly enough, at a similar time, my husband, um, he was working in a secondary school doing mathematics and to ensure his students got through their GCSE exams, he would put on uh, extra lessons in his holidays, after school, at weekends. And his head teacher pulled him into the office and said, now, Kevin, um, the te- other teachers are complaining that your students are spending too much time on mathematics And this is taking their time away from their subjects, the other subjects. So by providing a free service of extra lessons to ensure his students did extremely well through their exams, in actual fact, he got told off and he was told he wasn't allowed to do any extra lessons, none through his holiday, none after school, and it all had to stop. And you can imagine he felt really disappointed because... For both myself, well, Kevin is the other co-founder of Braid Busters, and myself, 
we are incredibly passionate about um, allowing students to reach their potential. And of course, you know, there's me losing my job being told I'm a budgeting error. And then my husband being told, well, you can't do extra lessons. We kind of sat there and thought, wow, this is madness. We have far too much to give. And we thought, well, you know what? If we can't do it for free, we'll set it up as a business. And that was the first initial uh, kind of uh, thing that kind of accelerated, allowed us to launch um, Grade Busters. And then there were other reasons that made us realize that actually, oh my gosh, what we've started here, we have to really get this out to the world. Um, I, you know, I, want, I was witnessing um, the things my children were being taught in schools when they would bring their homework home. I would see, uh, gosh, a myriad of tricks and things that kind of didn't make sense or um, lots of repetition of inaccuracies. And, um, and I was kind of getting frustrated thinking, you know, another good reason to set up Grade Busters was to enable me to teach my own children, you know, have an impact on them. I wasn't happy just leaving it up to the school. Um, so, so Heidi, did that at the end then uh, give direction to your mission and to the values you hold today and what you, you work with? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and that, that's kind of the start towards our mission. You know, our mission is, is to help people to reach their full potential, whether it's in mathematics or English, um, you know, through their personal journey through education. And, and that's manifested in our uh, mission statement where we just want to invent, create, build and implement and just provide access as many necessary ways of resources to systems and products and courses so that our principled approach to education will transform the knowledge and understanding of all our students. Um, we, have, we have a great saying at our centre is... Um, We believe everyone can do mathematics. It's the way that you are taught. And um, we're, we're very passionate about that and believe that through our principled approach, it allows people an insight and an understanding that previously they may not have had before. Yeah, I, I think um, maybe you could highlight the, the uniqueness of your approach to teaching the science of mathematics and why, it's, why it is so unique. Yes, yeah, sure, of course, absolutely. Um, so what is unique about our teaching approach? Well, um, what, what we've done is we have created um, a learning system. And how this learning system w works is that obviously you have the world of mathematics. And the world of mathematics contains abstract symbols. And um, so, for example, if you had the, the abstract symbols two add three equals five. Let's take a, a, a mathematical calculation like that. Nice and simple. Now, when you look at those abstract symbols, if you had never had any formal teaching, those symbols would mean absolutely nothing to you. However, we're very fortunate that we are, we have some knowledge of what those symbols mean, but those symbols, all the symbols in mathematics are abstract, and we call this the abstract world. But also, of course, we have the real world. And the real world is where we have all our real life problems. So thinking back to that calculation, two add three equals five. Well, in the real life world, it could be something along the lines, 
well, I went into the shop and I put two apples in my basket and I was making an apple pie. I thought, oh, I need three more apples. So I put three more apples in my basket and I paid for five apples altogether. So there we have a real life problem in real life. So we have the real world. Now, what tends to happen in education and they are schools are encouraged through the curriculum to teach the abstract world of mathematics through real life at a very early start. But there's a bit of an issue with this because actually real life is very messy and can be quite confusing. Um, and by teaching mathematics through real life, often what happens is um, the students don't necessarily grasp the world of mathematics, that abstract world and the understanding. So what we've done at Grade Busters is we have created the concrete world. And what the concrete world does is it creates a bridge between the two other worlds, the abstract world and the real world. It's a bridge to make these, these bring these two together to make a connection of understanding. And in the concrete world, we have, well, we describe the concrete objects sort of metaphorical, as in the objects are things like counters, the grid, the store. And we use these with the students and teach them the world of mathematics through this concrete world. And what happens is students are then able to understand what mathematics means. And they become very familiar with the concrete world. And to the point that once we start introducing new concepts and concepts through the abstract world, the minute any of our students become confused, we bring them straight back to the concrete world, which is where they're familiar and what they know and understand to allow them to access the abstract world. So it's a unique system that teaches through solely understanding um, through schools and education, uh, children, students are bombarded with thousands of memory tricks for mathematics. But in actual fact, there are only 10 principles that you need to understand in mathematics that underpin all mathematics to enable you to pass your GCSE or your exams when you're 16, 17 years old. So yeah. we teach through these 10 principles is, is is it because of all those memory tricks that young people get confused and struggle so hard yeah i think um with regards to that i think um for people that have really good memories very efficient memories um they are able to hold on to those tricks and if they can remember it, then they can sort of pull it out the bag and use it within an examination situation and, and get to the correct answer. However, the problem with trying to remember lots and lots of tricks, I mean, I think there's about 2,000 you need to learn to pass your, your exams at 16 years old. Um, when if you just understood the 10 principles, you are then able to make connections and you've got a greater chance of working things out and identifying the correct answer rather than just having to remember a trick. And the, 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 the problem with tricks as well is if you don't remember them accurately, then you can get yourself confused very quickly. And actually the trick doesn't explain the mathematics behind it. So I think, I think you're absolutely right that 
um, lots of tricks can actually make mathematics quite challenging and seem actually seem like a difficult subject. But actually, if you teach through the 10 principles, what it does, it removes all the mystery behind mathematics. Yes. So um, if we go from there, it's also important what you think about the importance to initiate young people into the magic behind mathematics or any other science. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, mathematics, I mean, we, we can't escape it. I mean, it's incredibly important in our lives, you know, um, you know, without even realizing we, we use mathematical concepts all the time. And as well as the skills we learn from doing mathematics problems every day, um, the laws of mathematics govern everything around us. And without a good understanding of them, one can encounter, you know, significant problems in life. Mathematics makes our life orderly and prevents chaos. Certain qualities that are nurtured by mathematics um, are power of reasoning, creativity, abstract or spatial thinking, critical thinking, problem solving ability, and even, you know, it can support us with effective communication skills. Um, I don't think we can ever uh, underplay the importance of mathematics, but of course, Mathematics is a universal language. Um, you can give mathematic abstract symbols, you know, across the world in whatever language you speak, you know, it's universal. People can interpret and understand those symbols and know what to do. But interesting, you, you, you asked the question to me about with regards to, you know, the magic behind mathematics. And many people say things to me like, oh, why learn mathematics? Do we really have to? You know, yes, I get it, it's important, but, you know, oh, why should we learn it? But I can remember uh, one somebody saying to me about uh, mathematics, and it was at this turning point where it kind of opened up my understanding of why it's important that we uh, aspire young people to understand mathematics and uh, what's behind it. Because um, they, said, they said to me, Imagine if we were playing a game of noughts and crosses. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you guys do you call it noughts and crosses, or do you maybe some people call it tic tac toe? Have you heard I, of the game? Yeah, tic tac. Yeah, tic tac. Yeah. No, okay. Okay, so you call it tic tac. We call it um, noughts and crosses. So let's imagine, Esmaya, that you and I want to play a game of noughts and crosses, but um, we're going to do it over the telephone. So I can't see you, and you can't see me. So, of course, the first thing we would do is we'd draw the grid. And the only way I would be able to let you know where I'm putting my circle or my cross is we would have to label the grid. So the rows we probably would call row one, two and three. And then the column, we'd probably give them a name A, B, C. So I would say to you, oh, I'm going to put my cross in 2B. And then obviously on your grid, you would know where to put my cross. And then you might say to me where to, you were going to put your, your zero, your naught. It's, you know, a little bit like battleships. Have you ever played battleships? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So a long time ago, but I did play it once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we could do that, couldn't we, over the telephone? Of course. So that would be us playing um, noughts and crosses two-dimensionally. It's on a flat piece of paper. But what about if we wanted to play it three dimensions? So... What would we have to do then? Well, we would have 
again, our rows and our columns labeled. But we'd also, so we've had the height and the length. So I'm imagining sort of a cuboid shape, a three-dimensional shape. We would also need um, labels for the width. So we would give them other names. So we might, well, we've got the columns called A, B, C. Maybe we would call the width D, E, F. So now I'm giving you three coordinates to be able to know where to put my cross or where for you to put your, your naught. So we could still play noughts and crosses three-dimensionally. And then it got me thinking, well, hang on, there's a pattern here, isn't there? There's a sequence. You have to add three um, uh, elements each time, three categories each time. When you go from two-dimensional to three-dimensional. So if we're going to play it four-dimensionally, then we can add three more categories. And what about five-dimensional dimensions or six dimensions? And of course, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that, you know, you probably wouldn't want to play um, <laughs> noughts and crosses in four dimensions. But the thing is, in the world of mathematics, you can. What mathematics allows us to do is it makes the impossible possible. And this is why I think mathematics is so powerful. You know, if, if you go back um, 100 years ago, you know, people would struggle to imagine things like the, the World Wide Web or suspension bridges or, or things like that. But, you know, it all starts from a thought, doesn't it? Everything starts from a thought. Correct. And, of course, what mathematics allows us to do is to have that thought and create something that potentially hasn't been created. But in the world of mathematics, we can prove it and we can make it happen, even though we can't create it in the real world that we live in. Interesting. Interesting. I say, did that make sense? I don't know if I explained yes. No, <laughs> it really makes sense. And it's, it points out to the importance to let young people understand and let them in into the magical world of mathematics so it's about uh, getting their interest and uh, trying to get their passions about and then they will do the work automatically very nice yes yeah i, th I think you've hit on a, a really key point there that you know if they are um, inspired and they are engaged then you know they're going to want to learn aren't they and i think think that's uh, critical to it yeah, I, I think it's one of the most critical uh, parts uh, nowadays. Maybe it's, it's been always been that way, but nowadays certainly because young people are always distracted with other things like their social media. They have more around them to be distracted. So I think the importance to point out to inspire them more is, 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 is keen nowadays. That's my take on it. don't know what you think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, to me, teaching is about inspiring, isn't it? Inspiring the, the younger generation. And, um, you know, technology has allowed greater diversity in teaching techniques. You know, we, we, we can't um, deny the, the access of the greater knowledge today. I mean, you know, the World Wide Web and what it's done, we can we can access things at the tip of a finger to, you know, just instantaneously, which is amazing. And I think, you know, that's been so powerful to educate a younger generation. But I still believe that um, we need to really tap also into making sure that 
when we learn something through the three learning stimulus, visual, kinesthetic and audio, uh, that we tap into these uh, learning styles so that uh, no student gets left behind. And this is something as well that we've uh, really put as a, of a great importance in our learning system, that we are constantly tapping into those three stimuli. Um, because each one of us may be more dominant in a different stimuli than another. So you may say to me that you're um, a dominant as a visual learner. However, you're still going to be taking things in through kinesthetically and audio. And the thing is, even if you are dominant as a visual learner, you're going to still want to improve your kinesthetic learning approach and also your audio. And uh, this is where what we've also done in our learning system is we make sure each that we tap into all three of these visual, kinesthetic, audio. So, of course, no, no student gets le uh, left behind. So, Esmael, how, how do you, are you a dominant visual or kinesthetic or audio learner? How do you feel that you learn best? I am uh, dominantly uh, visual because when I see something, I can grasp it very quickly. But uh, I also am a very good, uh, I can also take information. I think maybe secondary is for me, it will be audio and kinesthetic. And maybe it's also because uh, I'm focused, my brain is already really wired because uh, in my profession, it's a lot of visual and listening. But that's my professional part. So maybe there's also like a certain conditioning, I feel. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're probably right. I think what happens is um, we go into our comfortable zone, don't we? What, what works well for us. And um, this is why uh, we find it so important that those people that are learn visually, obviously they get to see it all through visually. Kinesthetic, where they are physically actually having to manipulate and use the concrete objects that we have created. And as well as, you know, audio, hearing it, speaking it, saying it out loud. And um, yes, I think um, you, you do become slightly conditioned. However, in saying that, you know, through uh, in the research with brain development, you know, it's very apparent that our brains are very kind of flexible and that we can actually... Um, fire up synapses and make new connections so maybe if we're not necessarily a brilliant audio learner it, it doesn't mean that we can't get better at that and i think the human brain is so powerful isn't it in that respect that if you give yourself those opportunities and that stimulus you can um you know improve in those areas yeah of course but then we come with then again with young people we come to the point where when they are in the process of learning, going to a school, uh, follow, follow a lesson, they need to be, you need to be able to catch their attention. And I think it's not always very easy because at the end, what I understand also is as a teacher, you're working in a system. And then is there, is it, isn't it necessary that the system also evolves with but maybe it's not doable with the pace our younger children are evolving because they are evolving on a very different level than we did when we were younger so we create a gap there also yes um you 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 raise a good point there um 
Yeah, obviously schools are bounded by uh, systems in themselves, aren't they? That with their budgets and their resources, that there's that one, that's those elements that they are sometimes have their hands tied behind their backs with being as, as innovative as they would like to be. But of course, you know, the systems that are in place to cater for mass big numbers of students in, in one place. So, for example, in schools, uh, students are put into classes much more dependent on their age. Uh, so, of course, for, for a number of reasons. But at Gradebusters, um, to us, the age is irrelevant to us. We don't have to have like schools do. We don't have to be bound by that ruling, that system. Um, within a classroom, in a session, I, I can have be teaching possibly an eight-year-old and a 14-year-old in the same session. Now, some people say to me, well, that's impossible. You, you can't do that. But you can, because if you teach through the underpinning principles that underpin mathematics, you absolutely can. You introduce something at an early stage. And then you can build up and build up and build up. And this is where um, I believe that we really shouldn't cap any person's potential. In fact, nobody knows what someone else's potential is. Even our own children, we, we don't know what their potential is. But if we keep them in a system where they are taught things depending on their age and where they are in the system, they're not having opportunities to learn things that they could access. So students at Gradebusters are able to access higher levels if they're not quite ready for it. They've still had a little bit of exposure. They've had an opportunity to hear it. And those that are ready for it can then embrace it and reach higher levels than possibly, you know, deemed within the system as it was, um, as it were. Um, you, you also raised um, another good point with regards to, you know, um, I think, especially I think we feel the pressure of how the young are evolving in their generations. And I think there's a tendency sometimes in teaching as well to teach through uh, for entertainment rather than uh, thinking about engagement and inspiring them, you know, through inspiration. And I think that's something that as educators, we have a great responsibility on our shoulders but we need to think about, you know, making sure that our students are engaged and it's not just, you know, entertainment just to keep them, you know, their attention for a, a few minutes or whatever. It's about stimulating them so they can feel inspired and, and want to learn more. Yes, because um, if you see maybe there is also a relevance when you experience with your child the starting process of failure in the journey into mathematics, for example, it's obvious now that it will also have an effect on their further development because at a certain point they get insecure and then they get confused and then they give up because they start to think it's not for me, I cannot do it. So they, they got downwards and uh, that's why I think, Heidi, that you have a very uh, important mission here to bring because you do it on a totally different perspective, which is amazing. So how has a failure or a patent failure got you stronger for later success, for example? You, you raise um, a really 
good point there with regards to how you know some some students feel with regards and and the minute that they feel that they can't cope or that they can't do it you're you're absolutely right they they start to shut down and um you know we we have a very strange culture around uh mathematics and you know you'll hear people kind of boast and brag that they can't do maths or you know like if you uh, go out to a restaurant and um you want they pay the bill they go oh let so and so sort the bill out i can't do mathematics but the irony is that it's very well i don't think i've ever heard anybody say um oh i'm no good at reading and writing you know you don't boast and brag about those things so you you pick on a good point about you know students do start to feel um that if they can't do it they feel like failures don't they that that they um they uh, are no good at it and and that's that's kind of the the last thing you want because the minute their self esteem is slightly starts to wobble you know they start then to, to kind of permeate those uh views and it kind of gets set in stone oh i'm no good i can't do it uh with regards to failure within you know my own self um you know you could say the the failing of you know the fact that if you can remember i was told that I was a budgeting error you know for me I felt that that was a failure uh, I mean it was a situation that there were outside things going on that I was not aware of so whether I could have taken control of that failing um, I don't know as it did it turned out to be a very positive negative experience because that's that gave me the uh, the the way of saying well I know I'm going to start grade busters and I think from that experience it's taught me to give me the determination to take control of my life um you know i felt very vulnerable that somebody there could just say to me uh we don't need you anymore you're a budgeting error i couldn't control that and uh and it you know it's it's if anybody's gone through uh something where they've lost their job um it really is a, a soul destroying experience you know and that's when you start to question and and challenge things and I think actually, you know, I'd never want to be in that situation again. So I think the greatest thing I gained from that failing was to take control of of my life, and um, and that's exactly what I feel I've done. I've taken all those things that are incredibly important to me, you know, that people can succeed in education, feel good about themselves, value what they're doing, value themselves, and uh, feel total success in their development. Uh, within that education to to reach their potential whatever that that might be yeah that that experience must have triggered some kind of feeling because do you feel that you're valued as a teacher as someone who has to bring so much value when the system uh shuts down on a certain moment uh yeah um I mean, in, in that situation, you know, I didn't feel very supported. And, and that's what's been um, so brilliant now in the regards that, um, you know, I've been able to create Grade Busters. Um, I have a fabulous co-founder who we work with, very in aligned and very in tuned and very supportive of one another. And of course, within the Grade Busters Centre, we have our own network. You know, we have our staff, our teachers and, um, you know, we we are all aligned and we're all there for the reason for the same reason you know we want 
to see you know the value in other people possibly that they might not see in themselves and and give as much value as we can but we've made that difference to that person that they've come in possibly with low self-esteem not feeling great about you know their possible academic performance or their emotional self and that they can walk out that center thinking actually I can do this I'm better than I thought I was and if you know and that uh, is really important to us um, I, I can remember once somebody saying to me, um, your net work is your net worth. And I, I, I really had to ponder over that uh, phrase. And, you know, it, it really is, you know, if you, you look at that, um, and, and that's why I, I continue to build my network. I think it's so important to surround yourself with people that have similar values, like-minded people, you know, I'm constantly looking for mentors and people that we can talk through ideas and creations. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, if, if you don't have that support around you, then I think it's your responsibility to create that network and find those people to support you, to enable you to continue your journey. Yes, because at the end, we are always the average of the people we surround us with. So that's very important. What Absolutely. are your biggest goals and dreams or aspirations for the near future, Heidi? Oh, gosh, that, that, that's, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay, so biggest dream. Well, you know, for Gradebusters, the vision, worldwide access for all, uh, you know, for everybody to be accessed. Obviously, going online is that step towards that. Um, we have an incredibly successful center that we have in the island. Uh, but the vision is that for, we would like to have centers around the world. Um, you know, that every 100,000 people would be given the opportunity to provide an appropriate environment, you know, in a, a population of 100,000 that they could possibly access uh, one of our centers so that they have that environment because you know, we have different clients that in there are parents and students that want to come into our centre and have that environment, you know, be provided an appropriate environment and be given the opportunity to have those essential human interactions and build relationships within the centre. Um, so we provide that. And of course, also in the centre, we have an open door policy where we invite parents to watch everything in action. So it's not just about the student joining us, you know, it's also if the parent wishes, you know, some parents stay, some don't, but it's the fact that it is an open door policy. And when I'm teaching, I always, you know, time after time, I get parents come up to me and say, gosh, I wish somebody had explained it like that for me when I was at school. It seems now so obvious. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not just about the student, but it's also the, the parent benefits. We actually have um, we have a parent who started who came with her young children and um, she, as she sat at the back of the lessons and uh, as the sessions went on, as the weeks went by, she suddenly said to us one day, do you know what? The way you teach, I believe I could do my mathematics exam now. Now, she must be now, actually, I think she's probably in her early 40s. So what she does is she comes to the centre with her daughter and she sits in the same lessons with her daughter and is learning mathematics. Uh, she doesn't necessarily need to have do that, but it's something that she now feels very passionate about. 
and it just makes us feel that we've given her that opportunity and also to have that journey with with her daughter so in the center we can provide that area for human interaction where people come together but of course the online courses allow us to touch people's lives in homes across the world so that's the big vision you know uh, worldwide access for all and the dream well is to improve everyone's life chances you know so that we can help them to um, enjoy achieving their full academic potential so that really they know that they can know how valuable they are you know we believe at grade busters um, it's our role as educators to see greater value in our students than possibly they may see in themselves Um, we we use a a phrase at grade busters where it goes like this this one a couple of strap lines that um Those that believe they can't realise they can. So when we have students that come to us at our centre or our online course and say, oh, I can't do mathematics, well, we believe we allow them to realise they can do mathematics and they can access it. But of course, those who believe they can do mathematics, when they come to us, they realise why. Because very often some of our able mathematicians can do the mathematics because they have a good memory. Um, But of course, they're not always necessarily taught the understanding behind it. So if they can already do it, do mathematics, we take them to that next level and allow them to realize why. And that's when they can start to reflect on the tricks that they've been taught at school, that make sense of how those work. So yeah, those that believe they can't, realize they can and those who believe they can realize why so those are my visions and dream real worldwide access for all perfect i um, i hope you will re- uh, realize them because i believe them strongly also if you look oh. back from a higher level uh Hedy, what are your most valuable lessons you learned until now Oh, most, gosh, you know, uh, as you get older, (laughs) um, you learn lots of lessons. But um, let me have a little think about uh, the ones that profoundly, yeah, I think the, yeah, let me just have a little think. Um, uh, I think the lessons that I've learned, I think being a parent has certainly helped to formulate a lot of my views. Um, you know, listening to my children. I've learned as an adult, it doesn't always mean that I know what's right for them. Um, I think I've learned not to be so serious about life. You know, I think, you know, we're here to enjoy the experience. Correct. I think the biggest thing I've learned, um, and this is the thing that um, I think once I understood this or embraced this as my philosophy is that you are the creator of your own reality. And um, I find that phrase really incredibly empowering. You know, when I talked to you about the fact that, um, you know, I was told I was a budgeting error, you know, I wasn't creating my reality. I felt like I was being pushed around by life. But now I believe that I am the creator and, and it, it's up to me. You know, we know thoughts are things and everything starts as a thought. Um, You control your thoughts, which activate your feelings and your feelings, you know, I greatly believe are our vibrations that are responded to us. So I'm a great believer in the law of attraction. And I truly believe 
believe the more goodness we give out, the more goodness we receive. So I think for me, it has to be the, the fact that um, you are the creator of your own reality. And if you believe that, then there are no boundaries to what your potential could be. What advice would you then give young and driven students from that point of view? Well, I tell you what, if you're young and you're a driven student, I think you've already got the greatest gifts to be <laughs> if you're driven. Um, I think if you're, if you're a driven student, I think the kind of advice I would possibly give, because I feel like I'm quite, I'm a very driven person. And uh, if you're driven, it really comes from within. Um, it's this, this constant drive. And it took me a long time to um, accept that's the way I am. You know, I kept thinking all the time, why am I so driven? Why do I need to do this? Why do I want to do that? And I think the biggest thing is to accept who you are. Um, don't be anything else but, but who you are. Um, if you are driven, you know, work out what it is that you want and then absolutely go for it. Um, I think, you know, if you're a driven student, you, you, will, you will succeed because I think um, that passion and drive will get you there. But, you know, just accept it. If that's how you are, accept it. Because it took me many, many years to um, work out that that was the way I am. And, uh, you know, I, I can't change the fact that I constantly wake up each day and feel driven to do certain things and driven to, to work through my passions. And um, I think once I realized accept who you are, then I think you can um, just, just go for it. Wow, that's... Uh... That's an amazing, an amazing view you have here. So, Hedy, I would like to thank you very much for your time, for your energy Aww. to do this interview, this talk, and sharing this tremendous gift of knowledge with our listeners. Thank you so much. My name is Esma Gillis. I just presented you Hedy McKinty. Thank you so much for listening, for your time. Hope you enjoyed the show and see you on the next one. Bye.